ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode seven of Box Box Box. I am joined by Karun and Shion, the classic trio, and we're here to debrief the Hungarian Grand Prix. And and you know, why don't we just start off with what a great commentary box <laughs> was given us this race, David Croft and Nico Rosberg. But but actually, wasn't it amazing, right? Having an ex-teammate Lewis Hamilton at one of you know Lewis's tougher races was sent to the back of the grid. Um, had to fight his way back but to have that insight during quality during the gamemanship and quality during the the tires have gotten a second win bono um i don't know what do you guys think i thought i thought it was a great commentary especially for like the how hard of a race lewis had like seeing like uh getting insights into like his mental state is always just so interesting in like any sport right like understanding like how like the athletes like thinking like what's going through their head and like Lewis and Nico have been like friends for a long, long time. And they, they've, they were teammates, best friends, like getting that insight into like Lewis's mental state in these situations was really cool. Especially that the second life um, in his tires line where uh, Rossberg just hit the nail on the head being like, yeah, Lewis is like a fantastic storyteller. Like that's why you always hear his like crazy, like tired uh, radio messages to Bono and like a lot of races I realized after Rosper pointed it out. Oh, Lewis, yeah, bro. As soon as you hear Lewis talk about his, ham- his tires, you know that he's bullshitting. But, excuse my language, but he did pit a second time, to be fair. Um, maybe his tires were still fine. And that was a pure strategy move, which it most likely was. But, you know, the tires got a second win. But was he going to make up, like, what, four more places or whatever? Uh, and it was also just, it was so cool to see, like, from what I see of, of Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton, it was, it was kind of like a, it was a rivalry at the end and they kind of ended on, you know, Hey, I won the championship. I'm done now. Um, to see him get kind of excited to see Lewis pass people was, was pretty wholesome. Like that was, that was a pretty cool thing to see an ex teammate just, you know, hyping him up a little bit, but then also he was offering like great insight, like, Hey, like he, he his first outlap on the hards, he can't go way too hard because that'll like decrease the tire life later on in the race. And so just like getting some more like almost like Joyland Palmer-esque like um, yeah, kind of takes was interesting during the race. I, I definitely agree. And let me, let me pose this question. Who out of the, you know, anyone actually, like I was going to limit it to the Sky Bunch of the Sky Sports reporters, uh, but who would you love to see as your ideal commentary duo? I can go first if, uh, if you guys want a second to think. Um, so my lead commentator would be, uh, the posthumous, uh, Nikki Lauda. I think Nikki Lauda would give you such a straight faced commentary during the whole race and call out everyone's tactics and know, like, just be brutally honest, be like, oh, he's not doing a good enough job. I think he would be amazing as a commentator and, uh, his co-host would, I would love to see Jensen Button in the, uh, in the commentary box with him. Because I think I think Jensen's a great character, and my favorite, you know, post quality post race interviews are always Jensen Button. I think he's amazing. I just think I'd also be a huge fan if he was driving. <laughs> he just seems like such a cool dear dude. I'd love to go get a beer with him. Um, if I was to say one, I would say <clears throat> for the 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 analysis kind of situation, I would do uh, do Helmet Marco. I feel like he's got a lot of interesting insight out there. And he would be just educating me the whole time. 
But, You'd be uh, calling out for race bans left, right, and center. <laughs> Soon the FIA everything. Um, but to kind of even it out, you know, can't be all serious. I would have Gunther Steiner as the other man. <laughs> wow. My, my wanker oh. and my, uh, the, the <laughs> guy who sues. Oh, I'm kind of sad you didn't say Cyril Abitabul. <laughs> Bring him back. I would do like James Hunt because he was like Whoa. kind of a crazy dude. Just probably had hilarious things to say during races. Totally um, not PC, but he would not get well, away with it. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like F1 after dark or something. Oh, <laughs> and then uh, for the more wholesome content, I feel like him and Kroon Chandok would have a very interesting rapport. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, just like for Kroon. Two, two very opposite kind of vibes just clashing. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, it'd be like a nice back and forth. I, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. And Kroon, but Kroon also does a great job in the commentary box, like during FP1, FP2. Awesome. Sky yeah, whenever analysis. he has his little his jam board and he's like pointing and drawing, I, I it's crazy. Some of my also, like, favorite parts in commentary are when they pull, you know, Crofty pulls in Kroon. Kroon from the sky pad, what have you got for us? Or or he pulls yes, in Ted Kravitz and Ted Kravitz comes in with so much energy. I think Speaking that's amazing of Chandler, though. I think he did a great job this weekend from like monitoring the radios and stuff. Cause he was, he was predicting stuff oh. like four five, six like laps before they were happening. And I was like, damn, this dude is, he was monitoring the radios to like perfection. He called it right. Lewis Hamilton yeah. comes on lap 48, let alone yeah. comes on lap 48. Combine the two start? of yours now though. Imagine James Hunt and Nikki Lauda. That would yeah, be- <laughs> that would be that would be all time because you know what they were boys as well. Yes, um, yeah. I don't know if you guys, do you guys listen to the Beyond the Grid podcast this week. Um, Didn't get they, a chance this week. No, they but had I did the watch Ferrari watch. boss from the Nicky Lauda um, wow. era. So uh-huh. he's talking about the crash, but he's also talking about his friendship, like Nicky Lauda's friendship with James Hunt, how it was like so genuine and authentic. Um, I bet they would have great repertoire in the commentary box. Absolutely. Just watched Rush two days ago, and it's still fresh and uh, fresh and so mind. good. So, it's so good. That scene, that the scene where Mickey um, Lada meets Marlene, and he's driving that little car. Yep. Amazing. No, but gents, where where do we even start with this race? Do I, we can start? Lap one, turn one. No, not even <laughs> from the pre-race, the post-quality. Um, I mean, there's gamesmanship and quality. We can start with quality, but I actually want to start with the post-quality interview where Max had a little breakdown at uh, the question about, you know, his probably his end-teamed question, up-teamed question, whatever people say about the crash with Lewis. And he just lost his, uh, he just lost it. What do you make? What do you make about the mental space where Max is at these days? Well, I think, uh, so I watched Joylan Palmer's analysis recently, and I think he did a good job of saying where Max should be, which is that he's Wait, got you to watched be... the Silverstone one? No, no, the Hungry one's out. I'm behind. Yeah, but he essentially was like, hey, this is two races in a row where Max just didn't even have a chance to perform. Like, he didn't have a chance to, to, to show what he could do, and it was just taken away from him. Um, so, you know, that post-race interview can show that he's a little bit frustrated, but it's really up to him, and we talked about his composure and the fact that he's matured a lot in the car. Um, so now is where it's really put to the test. I think there are things that were, you know, string of bad luck essentially. Um, so now it's, it'll be interesting to see how he overcomes that. And if you can show his maturity in just composed racing um, post the summer break. 
definitely, definitely agree. Um, you have someone who's won seven world titles battling against him. He knows what it's like to be trailing it, right, and come back. So mm-hmm. this 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 mentality curb that Max has to overcome is maybe something he's never done before maybe in the junior categories but he's against a different beast here and you know again it was nico rosberg who, who, who kind of paused this question ages ago it was like max you know how great lewis was but now that you're battling a championship with him you're really learning how great he was and max kind of snapped at him but that i don't know that question very much resonates with, with me and the way max is it wasn't a big deal because obviously you understand these guys wear their hearts and their sleeves um but it was interesting to see his reaction to the question. I'm I'm a little worried that like he's had two bad races going into an extended break, just because like I, I don't know like I feel like when you have like two these kind of races where like you know it's not even I wouldn't say it's his fault that any of this happened really just poor luck. Um, like he is probably so eager to get out there to prove himself and just like sitting for almost a month or longer just thinking about the fact that just ruminating on these last two races hopefully hopefully he doesn't bug out and like come back like really like riled up and trying to prove himself and over aggressive because i think his driving style was like like the perfect amount of aggression over like the middle part of the first half right before when he went on that five race tear basically he he has all the talent let's see it's it's gonna be fascinating because i also think at the same time mercedes there, you know, before two races ago, before Silverstone, before the Mercedes upgrades, Red Bull clearly had the quicker car. But now Mercedes has, you know, it's a situation where on certain tracks the Mercedes is going to be quicker, on certain tracks the Red Bull is going to be quicker. So it's, you know, where Max had that obvious advantage earlier, I don't know if he's going to get that clear cut anymore. Um, I really think we should lock in 50 each on Lewis to win the championship. And that's purely we're from on, a, we're an on objective a hot perspective, streak, gentlemen. I, I just, I'm just really happy that this is like the closest the drivers' championship and the construct championships been like, at least in the past two seasons that I've watched. But like, I just, I really want Max to win, just because, like, you know, seeing like him finally break from like you know, being right there and getting beat by Lewis for at least the past two years, even though the Mercedes was way better for the past two years. Like having that car finally and still falling short would be really tough to see for Max. He's just going to have to earn this one. I think that's going to yeah. be a very humbling experience for him for his first like proper championship contend- contention. And uh, summer break can be, I see it as an opportunity for both Max to kind of simmer down a little bit, ideally simmer down a little bit. But I think also it's an opportunity for Mercedes to really just like buckle down and have like weeks worth of focus and concentration on getting their car to where it needs to be. So that uh, Lewis has a powerful package to kind of, you know, go back to what maybe last season was or something like that. And I I feel like they, I mean, there's an opportunity to do that, right? I feel like, what are you going to say? do you think that they're going to be focusing their resources right now on like upgrading the current package, like, right. Or is pretty much most of their engineering effort already been shifted to next year's car, right. Where like you have so many regulation changes that like it might be worth putting that engineering effort in for that instead. 
I mean, because they imagine, seem competitive, right? They seem competitive sure. right now. But imagine, imagine explaining to Lewis that hey, we're gonna, we're okay with a car that's that's you know maybe a little bit subpar or a car that you have to outdrive uh, in order to win this championship. I feel like that's like Lewis you know, has I think Lewis would be like, team. yeah, I got you. Like, <laughs> yeah, long term, long term. Of course, I got seven. Be. I can wait for a bit. Yeah, mind you, remember Imola, Lewis spun, went to the back, obviously had the red flag, came back to P two. This race, they got the tactics wrong. He was at the back. He came back to P2 in the end, not on road. They, got, they but made one mistake. I think their strategy after that one mistake was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But let's, let's talk about that mistake briefly because it's tough to be the leader and to dive into the pits. You know, we all know in retrospect, 2020 is hindsight, hindsight's point, whatever, um, uh, <laughs> that it would have been the right decision to come in but he didn't. He's in P1 to give up track to position. Uh, he was also the first stop in the pit lane, which means they would have to release him to clean air, which is extremely tough to find in the pit lane. So there was a, to me, where they lost it is that they didn't go onto slicks at the red flag. To not pull him in was an acceptable decision, in my opinion. But I think they should have known how much it was drying up and put on the slicks. So I don't know. What, what do you guys think uh, Think happened there with the lapse of judgment? Because well, in the end, it, it, was, it was an easy win. It was going to be very straightforward. It was, a, it was a critical error. I mean, there's, there's nothing much to say about it. I think there's a lot of pressure on the lead driver to be the one to make that call. And then it only, it only just like multiplies when every single other person goes into the pits. But what really stuck out to me about that whole situation, Mercedes' strategy in general, and why I really have started to respect Lewis is his mentality of even when he's literally at the back of the pack, the race has completely fallen out of his hands. There's always a hunger. There's always, all right, guys, nothing but the best for the rest of the race. We're going to do exactly what we can. And that is what creates that championship mentality, right? That's where you can start to see a little bit of um, the, the, the fire inside of Lewis. So as much as it is painful, if you're a Mercedes fan, to see them fall back and make a critical error like this. I think it's really, it's, it's so just like, it reminds you how competitive Lewis is when you, you hear him on the radio, when you hear Bono say, you're the fastest driver out there, just do it your best just get it done. And, uh, and yeah, that's my thoughts. Yeah. It's, it's particularly awesome when you can have that trust and that driver be like, Hey, we messed it up today but it's on you now, you know, you make the difference in that car, go get us the podium. And he delivers just day in, day out. I this, I've been saying it for a while, but I think he's an absolute legend. He and is not he is for our quite veteran. He would have been P1, I think. Yeah. If Alonso hadn't held him up for that long, I think. Yeah. I mean, they were really close to signs and metal yeah. and O'Connor within, like towards the end. within three seconds of uh, they were O'Connor. both hustling yeah well lewis was the, literally picking up four seconds a lap on them he was that <laughs> much quicker on the fresh mediums yeah. versus the old to hards one big thing i wanted to talk about about mercedes's strategy was the fact that right when he did fall back to 19th i think he was you know really struggling well, to sorry 14th my bad <laughs> he was really he was really struggling to keep up with the cars in front of him i think it was just like the dirty air and like the car just overheating or something and them pitting him when he was already at the back so that he would come out into like this nice little gap between cars where he could just build pace cool the car down and get to like a nice spot i i did not even i was like wow this is this is a crazy racecraft like i didn't even know that that was like 
you know, some strategies that teams were using. Like it was, it was crazy. In hindsight, seems obvious, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you heard George on the radio trying to make the same call for the team where actually it's not the same at all, but you know, we'll just talk about George then where he was like, you can compromise my race. Cause I, yeah. you know, I will help the undercut for, for Nick, because if he pits, then the cars in front of him have to pit. He was very much ready to sacrifice his own race for the team. Um, which is just like, can't speak more highly enough about him and, and how emotional he was about getting points. But yeah, it's, How good was George this weekend? Is he getting the Mercedes seat? <laughs> He's testing a Mercedes today. I mean, you see, you see George on one end and you see Botas on the other end, right? So from purely this weekend's perspective, dude, get the well, bowling ball out of there. Both good for Mercedes, <laughs> right? At the end of the day. I mean, yeah, at the end of the yeah. day, the championship battle. Is hey, if we want to put on our tinfoil hats, <laughs> Botas got that, you know? Got it done. The before he went out <laughs> he, he read between the lines of the strategy and was like oh i got you no some no, of those uh, conspiracies overall. about about valtteri are are just utter nonsense but it's always fun to to entertain myself and read those he's just the i think i think f1 has just made him the fringe guy and they have just accepted it and they are ready to just make him to just spew anything at him <laughs> but anyways going back to uh to george yeah, George had, uh, you know, he had an incredible weekend and he keeps showing the composure that he has in the car. And I think um, it's it's super awesome to see him get emotional about it. And yes, they got points, which we've been waiting for for a long time. But seeing him get emotional about something like this really just reminds you that he is so hungry. And it's just a it's a clear reminder that he's just a young, hungry driver that's ready to take the next step. Also doing in the Williams, man, they've been working hard for the past two years, building that car up like getting it to where it is like this year, like, like he, he has earned it. And I, I, I don't know how involved he is. There was like some interview with him. I think it was on F1 nation or something where he was talking about like how closely he works with the engineers. And like, I, I do think like for him, like he definitely played like a very important role in making the car what it is like this year. And like to see him like pour his blood, sweat and tears into not only his driving, but the car itself and the whole team. Very happy for him. Hope he gets Mercedes, though. <laughs> extremely, extremely. There's no doubt the the work he puts in and that raw emotion when he finally achieves, you know, his first goal in, in Formula 1 in his third year. Um, at the same time, he gets outscored by a teammate. And if they don't score any more points this season, uh, Latifi will be higher than him in the standings, as was Kubica uh, two years ago which is just kind of funny. It's obviously like, we know George, that's the best driver is the better driver, but it's, it's just kind of funny that these weird races that occur in formula one, every, you know, twice a season mm-hmm. uh, that George still draws the short string, but no, it's fantastic. I think gentlemen, it's time to move into the team of the season and the driver of the season. Let's talk about our boys. Alpine F1 team. <laughs> Alonzo's the man. I'm so glad we locked in that top six Alonzo bet before qualifying even happened. Yeah, I mean, we saw they were rapid and it's Renando Alonzo. And we knew we knew he was we knew that he was due a top six. We also knew George was due a top ten. And we all thought Hungary was the chance, but 
the one we didn't lock in was George top 10. We would have won a little bit more money, but, um, <laughs> but very happy with the, with the dollars that we did win anyways. Yeah. I think Alpine, you know, they, that was just, I don't know how they're so good at avoiding cars. They're, they're very good at threading the needle there. <laughs> they have a very narrow car. That must be it. <laughs> For sure. I mean, Lance Stroll came through like a wrecking ball. Yeah. He, he almost rode over Charles. Like, you saw the way he yeah. went into him. I thought he could have driven over him, like, through the halo. Yeah. Um, they, I mean, they were all slipping and sliding. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm not saying it's Lance's <laughs> fault. And we know Lance is actually probably, like, too, a top five driver <laughs> in the rain yeah. Yeah. Um, from his pole position in Turkey and, and the way he dominated that, but he's done excellently. Um, one narrative that I would love to get your thoughts on is the Fernando one Ocon the race. What, what do you think about that? Kind of like in what sense, if, if people are saying like, it's because he like stayed out and did a longer stint. No, I don't think that's why he won the race. His defense of Lewis Hamilton definitely did help Ocon not have to, you know, get overtaken by Lewis on like lap 69 or something or 70, right? Like, I do think like him holding him there for like, what was it, four laps, maybe ten. longer? It was 10 ish laps or something. Yeah, yeah like laps 10, 11 laps. Clearly, I zoned out. Uh, <laughs> 10, yeah, t- that's a long time. It was 10 <laughs> laps of intense battle. And had he yeah, not, I must have not, up I must not realized. Yeah. <laughs> had he not locked up on turn um, one, I think it would have been, he would have been holding it back longer. Yeah. I mean, Lewis forced him into the error. Um, yeah. No, also, to me, the degradation of just doing that over and over again was mm-hmm. definitely not good for the older tires of Fernando. Oh, definitely. Longer. I mean, Lewis was going to, it was, a, it wasn't like it Lewis was, was not going to pass him, but yeah. Fernando, the, the 10 lap defense oh my god oh no wonder he's a the position champion. he just kept running him wide he was like get out of here yeah get turn four right <laughs> out of here move get off out boy here. no and it wasn't um, even like he he parked the car in the right place before the corner he knew exactly what line to take so that lewis had no opportunity for better grip coming out of the corner dude, there was like there was one i forget what turn it was where they both tried to juke each other out right mm-hmm. i think lewis is trying to sell a dummy and go out inside i think after going outside over and over again and alonzo just they both like shuddered and i was like wow they both just tried to do something <laughs> and neither could do it dude i mean he was brilliant there was one turn that I, I i saw where alonzo came out of the turn and lewis was set to have a better line coming out better grip and all he did was just take a slower line out of the out of the corner like he didn't accelerate as quick so you saw lewis pull up on him and have to slow down a little bit because there's still no space yeah. the space wasn't there in the straight yet and then he just took off. So it was just, you know, things like that, which was, we don't see that level, that, that caliber of, of, of racing 10 laps of, you know, this incredible car going against Alonso. Um, and going back to your original question, I do think that like, uh, I, I do think Alonso really held up Lewis to the point that Ocon was able to get the win. You saw his closing speed after he passed, after he passed Alonso. I think there was no doubt that he was going to win that race. If, if it was, you know, 10 laps earlier, 10 laps fresher tires, I think he would have had it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I just suppose I don't like the way some people have framed up the story that Alonso won the race for Ocon. I think so disrespectful. I think, yeah, I think that Ocon didn't. He also held did, up was perfect, old. right? He was ten. Didn't out of put 10. a foot wrong at all. Exactly, but of course Fernando helped, right? He played him. He wanted to keep the position. Yeah. He also played a That's team why you game. Have a teammate. Yeah, it was it was amazing battles. 
I mean, at the end of the day, Fernando was doing it for himself, right? To keep mm-hmm. before. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that it helped Ocon, yeah. amazing. And he probably knew that yeah. it would because he probably knew how quick Lewis was. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you had a two-time world champion show him his class against a seven-time world champion. While you had a four-time world champion pressuring a first-time Grand Prix leader. <laughs> I think this is the first time he led laps in a Grand Prix. Yeah. Yeah. How good was the other Alpine driver, our boy? Fantastic. Bun. Also, great, great redemption story, you know? I, after, like, not having a C, was it last mm-hmm. year? Change it before. Two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. And then coming back into Renault, like, hey, I'm happy for him, you know? I remember when we watched the first season of Drive to Survive back in Baltimore. We were like, this Ocon guy, he's the man. I <laughs> we were so about him we versus Charles. Perez. <laughs> no but when Perez kept the seat we were devastating yeah we were like god damn that Perez guy yeah and then it turned out Perez is the like the coolest guy ever yeah. yeah no, no we I think Seb it. was also Seb was attacking the entire time like it was crazy yeah. how like Seb was exceptional like so calculated if he He's had so if his good. stop wasn't three and a half seconds or whatever it was yeah it stop. I think yeah, it would have been it a, would have all a, a different out. And that's not even that and he slow still came stop. It was only 3.3. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. But all oh, the undercut was that close. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Seb was on a heater, that outlap. He was yeah, he, cooking. They were battling. Yeah. Every, the first three turns. But mm. it only speaks to how well Ocon did, right? He hadn't, exactly. led, he hadn't won a Grand Prix or won a race or led a race since 2013 in GP2 or something. Like it just came back to him very naturally. I felt maybe mm-hmm. maybe that year under the the tutelage of, of Lewis Hamilton helped him greatly, <laughs> but um, he yeah might have to get Alcon tied on my torso or something. <laughs> he was amazing, uh, devastating for Seb to be disqualified. Yeah, I heard there's some appeals going around where they're saying that there's still yeah, some of course fuel left in the. They got yeah. penalized. You didn't you think Omar was going <laughs> to rile up the lawyers? <laughs> I don't know. I'm still holding on hope, but it, it was really sad. When I first saw that they had, there's a requirement for one leader and he had 0.3 leaders. I was in that moment. I knew he was going to get it taken away. And it was just, yeah, it was just so, so obvious. Like it was, oh, so, so nothing. What's, what's yeah. The rule? yeah, this fact didn't like happen. It wasn't true. Then obviously it's clear cut, the right? Rule... How do you even appeal it? The rule is you have to have one liter of fuel in the fuel tank that you can take to sample after the race. And you only had uh, three tenths of a liter. You can argue the safety car and the red flag. Uh, it's, I sure. don't know. That's he probably kept the what car running for is. too long when he came in during the red flag or something. He went for an extra lap. Like, remember, he ended at the park firm and ran back. Yep, yep, yep. So the sample that they did take was fine. 0.3. No, no, oh, no, yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't like a higher uh, octane sure. oh, or anything. My. They weren't yeah, cheating. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Just one of those rules that no one wants to see a tech- Yeah. Yeah. And a podium. Even Lewis had this nice insta post, like oh, it's always a pleasure to to share a podium with Seb. Sad this was taken from him, and it's like, come on, <laughs> Seb. <laughs> that was one of the most wholesome podiums I've seen. Seb Honestly. and Archon just like hugging it out. I loved it. Yeah, as as a as a former, you know, as a as a as a huge Charles enthusiast, and then a by extension a, a Seb hater, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> it's it's awesome to see him doing well, and to truly see the racer that you know this four time world champion is. Uh, versus, mm-hmm. I didn't really appreciate him his time at Ferrari because I thought because I love Charles so much. So it's it's very yeah. cool what he's doing, and I hope I hope he gets a race win. 
speaking of the Rari, should we talk about Carlos's race? Because oh. he also had a fantastic race. My my X factor in my fantasy team, I, I made I made up 50, 60 points on Karun and I extended by 50, 60 points on Chayon. Yeah, I had a bad week. <laughs> Summer break, Gosh, baby. Both you like both you had points. like 25 and Chayon had like 50. So bad. Really bad weeks. It was it was one of those like, weeks where I think three of my drivers were eliminated. Yeah, I think seventy percent of my my team was gone in turn one. Yeah, because you have the two Red Bulls and Red Bull Karun. Yeah, yeah. yeah wow, I made I some great choices points. to bring in George Russell for Juvenazzi and uh, signs for Gasly, even though Gasly had a great race. Yeah, I think I think Carlos drove fantastic. Mm-hmm. Really, just jumped up after that collision. Obviously, like everyone else did, but. From there, just great management and like t- having you know like the the confidence in the moment to tell his team like no 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 we're staying out <laughs> yeah and we're not staying any out. new team Ferrari Ferrari yeah, yeah. telling Bonito nah dude <laughs> yeah I'm no good. it was incredible and- but I still every time he drives a great race I think he's so criminally underrated like he is so good he's beating yeah. Charles currently going into the mid-season in a new car where Charles, you know, longest Ferrari contract ever, through third year in the team, senior driver, got rid of a four-time world champion. Um, yeah. And uh, killing it. He's, he's criminally underrated. I think he's so good. Like, it was, uh, it was interesting, though. So one thing, the only, only negative mark that I could say on Carlos from this race, if that's even a negative mark, is... You know, you saw Alonso and, and Hamilton go out for 10 laps, right? And then and then he passes signs within like a couple corners. So so uh, to me, it was just a comparatively, I was like, okay, like yes, you don't have to have a, a equally competitive car as the Mercedes to be able to hold him up or be able to race with them. So it was it was a little bit painful to see him just get passed so easily. Of course it was a little mistake, but that was late on yeah. in the race where the tires were getting old, but yeah, yeah, I honestly I, didn't even see his pass on science. I don't think it was televised, but, you know, Alonzo, who had a 10-lap battle. And then, honestly, like, I don't even remember Lewis Hamilton passing signs. So maybe the comparison is more of that, the, the classes of Alonzo versus science. But, true. yeah, yes. the, the laps, the, the hards would have been 10 laps older at that time. So maybe he stood no chance whatsoever. But yeah take nothing away from him got a podium in the end it's really funny because there's all these memes about how science can never get to celebrate his podium on the podium <laughs> he just finds out at home yeah after his dad makes a few calls <laughs> <laughs> carlos senior i love carlos senior's uh, cameos in drive to survive yeah just golfing just watching soccer together or something eating hamon <laughs> <laughs> well uh we already celebrated our bets throughout the podcast already. No, but, we, hey, we, we, got our, our we got our qualifying uh, bet correct oh, as well. Yes. And why don't we go back to square one? How about that uh, second hot lap in Q3 where the Red Bulls came out behind Lewis and he kind of just – he was just a perfect sportsman again, didn't let them get good laps in. That's how I yeah. see it. That was, that was awesome. That was genius from Mercedes. I, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, Mercedes, they both had bad, like, last laps, but I, I thought it was just absolutely hilarious that he was just, like, taking his time, coming out of the pit lane, 
Well, it's so funny like, because Max... I can only imagine Christian Horner's reaction. Oh. I want like a live, I want a live, you know, those how they do those FIA, like uh, like the crosstalk between the team yeah, and yeah. the FIA. I want to hear that during that moment. I just want to hear him <laughs> screaming. We just Tell see Christian Marco Horner calling again. for race bands, qualifying bands. At least bands. two. <laughs> no, but it, it tactically, it was incredible, right? Because it's a yeah. high downforce track and you can't follow. So Lewis made sure that Max, you know, got past the line. Checo didn't even get past the line, but made sure Max got past the line right behind him. So he had no downforce on his lap. Even though Lewis ended up having a very poor lap, I think, I think it was just genius. Yeah. I'm a big Lewis guy. That's why he's a seven-timer, huh? I guess. That's literally why, because he knows how to do it. Uh unconventional points williams both in the top 10 esteban Ocon race winner it's the kind of stuff you live for right since pierre gasly yeah. won a grand prix in monza it's been pretty standard uh max lewis valtteri or checo um i guess after pierre you did have checo winning the racing point yeah that um, was a good one that was incredible and you had george racing in the mercedes that day <laughs> nah this is um Standard Formula One races are still incredible to watch, but these ones are are truly special. So I think whatever the just... weather's a little a little, a little bit of rain, uh, yeah. It, you know, but not just rain, inconsistent rain. Yes, it's even better. <laughs> it's dry. And that's yeah. what like I, I was. I sent this this video to you. It's the last like ten laps of the two thousand seven Brazilian Grand Prix. No, 2008 Brazilian Grand Prix where Lewis wins his first championship and Massa crosses the line, you know, in the lead, winning the championship, but Lewis makes up a place on the last turn uh, and wins the championship. There, it was varying conditions that day. It was dry, then wet, then dry, then wet. And then you have a championship on the line. For, imagine we get to Abu Dhabi. Crazy. And it's the one day of rain they have a year. <laughs> I would, or a sandstorm comes controlled. <laughs> we'd we'd have to go, I think, or just wind. Like even the windiness of Abu Dhabi would be enough to make it a little more interesting. Yeah, lovely. Upcoming plans: where we we plan to to bring the people a a two part series of uh, mid season debrief in which we discuss our favorite races, the highs and lows, the best drivers. And off season driver moves. rankings, off season moves, most importantly, before they get announced. Because I wonder if we can put money on George to Mercedes. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's a good like lineup there somewhere. Odds on that. I mean, Photos is basically just going to replace Kimmy, right? We all feel like uh, Anyway, we'll see. It doesn't <laughs> make a whole lot of sense that one either. It really should be Calamilot. <laughs> but, um, Oh, they're also saying Nick DeVries to Williams. I know who that is. <laughs> He's like a Mercedes youngster slash their Formula E driver, I think. So, well, Nico we can Rosberg discuss. We will, we will discuss silly season. We say, Sean, Nico Rosberg to make a return. Yeah, he Alonso's it. That'd be amazing. But he goes to Ferrari instead. <laughs> no, he goes to Haas and works with Gunter. <laughs> Wanka. Boys, it's been an That's absolute pleasure. This is Box honor. Box Box. And we look forward to, to bringing you more content throughout this uh, absolutely banger of a season.
Cheers.